Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Andy Gerchuk here with me. Andy, really appreciate you joining me here today. And we're going to be talking about adjusting. And if anybody is familiar with this, I think we're going to have to go from the beginning here, Andy, just to inform everybody on what your company does and what adjusters actually do and the benefits to those real estate investors out there. But before we do, I want to remind everybody to head over to your website, allcityadjusting.com to see what Andy and his team are up to. But really appreciate your time here today, Andy. Jack, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I have to, I, I find there's certain professions that seem to be accidental for most people. And I have to admit, adjusters is one of them. How did you find your way into this position? <laughs> really? I was in the restoration business working for someone. I was maybe 19 back then. And that's when I, the, there was another PA. He ended up being my mentor for three years. He was in the business 40 years here in Chicago, one of the original, when you want to say, OGs of public adjusting. And so he ran into him by accident, got his number, and just followed up with him for a couple of years till he finally took me up and, and mentored me. Can you kind of give us a little information now for those people who are new to the concept of adjusters? What does your company do and how do you do it? So we're a public adjusting company, meaning when the insurance company will have their own adjusters, right? Their staff, their adjusters, their independents, all those adjusters that they're out there all work for the insurance company. So they all get paid by the insurance. They're all looking out for the insurance company's interest. A public adjuster is designated by the state that you're in, that you have your license in, to represent the insured to negotiate, to read the policy, interpret the policy, and settle the claim, maximize the claim, and work with your insurance company to settle everything as quickly as possible for the highest settlement amount. I mentioned earlier that at the end of the episode, I have a list of rapid-fire questions for you, and one of them is, what is a real estate investing myth that you'd like to bust here today? I'd actually have to say that this is one of those myths that are is a subtle myth yeah. that it seems like maybe as a homeowner, we just assume that we just go with whatever the insurance adjuster says. There isn't a way for us to have representation on our side. Correct. As a homeowner, you, they don't put in a policy. There's no written anywhere that you should hire someone. You should have someone helping you. Because like when you do your taxes, you should use an accountant. If, especially if it's something complicated, you should be using an accountant. If you get hit by someone, you most likely get an attorney. Kind of some situations, you already know what to do. In some states, not ours in the Midwest, but more of the East and West Coast, like Florida, for example, with the hurricane now, everyone knows about a PA. They're, they'll be calling PAs before they file claims with their insurance company. But in most states, when we don't have catastrophes, what they're, what's happening is people don't know. So they're going to take the claim, file it, and then they don't call us. Usually they're either denied, delayed, and they're just having too much issues with their insurance company. What kind of claims can an adjuster help us with? Yeah, any kind of, whether it's homeowners, whether it's a rental dwelling, a multifamily business, we help with not the, not only the structure itself, estimating the structure, providing documents and selling the structure, but also loss of income. If you have a rental, same thing with business interruption, if you're a business owner. So pretty much anything in, with property we handle. Okay. 
And typically, what would somebody expect to be charged for this type of service? Yeah, our fees usually start at 10%. 10% is usually our flat fee when we get hired right from the beginning. If a claim is maybe a couple months in, someone's received a settlement and we come in on the back end, then we might just charge a higher amount, maybe 20% on anything new we get. So meaning whatever you've recovered or whatever the insurance is agreeing to pay, there's already, you've already agreed to that's your money. So then we would just charge on anything new that we get on top of that. I mentioned that this is a new concept for a lot of people getting this type of representation. And I believe that there is adjusters throughout different states to help you with this type of thing. What type of questions should they be asking to make sure that adjuster is a good fit? Yeah. So you can usually go on websites. If you're in Texas, they have TAPIA, Texas Association of Public Insurance Adjusters. There's different associations that you can look up and find good PAs. Your best way is to ask for a referral. Maybe someone used the PA. But if not, when you're asking a PA and you're calling one and you're trying to get an idea of if they're a good fit, is see what kind of claims they're handling. Most PAs, for example, our company does large loss, fire, water, commercial roofing. We don't do that many residential roofing. So if someone calls us for a residential roof, I'll probably send them a referral to another PA firm that specializes in that. So you might want to ask what kind of claims they specialize, how long they've been in business, what's the largest claim they've handled. Those are the kind of the questions you want to ask. Okay. And when somebody is negotiating or talking to their insurance provider directly and they don't have a PA involved, what are some of the things that some of the worst things that they could do? What are some of the bigger mistakes they can make? Certain words they use. So you have to be careful when talking to an insurance company because everything is these days recorded. And again, there's a process now of how they handle claims. Person that's taken the claim is already looking out for stuff where they can deny it or red flag it. So using words like mold or leak, words that are usually not covered, those get denied automatically. Even if you have a pipe burst, you might say, hey, I had a flood. Flood's not covered unless you had a flood insurance. So certain words to use. Also, you want to look in your policies. In your policy, there's a page called duties after loss. It explains what you have to perform or what your duties are after that loss, after something happens in order for that loss to be covered. Because if something's not done, they can, you can get your claim denied just for not doing one of those things. So could you walk us through a couple examples of what somebody might have experienced trying to deal with this on their own versus your involvement? Yeah, of course. One we just finished up for, for a lady here in Illinois. Claim happened in February. Pipe burst. She purchased the property two months before. Pipe spurs basically damaged the entire house. We got hired two months ago, about two months ago. She was offered like 20000 and mitigation company wasn't paid. It was just bad. We just got an offer. I think we're at like 120000 120000 now. So I think her initial offer was twenty. We're at one hundred twenty. We still got mitigation paid. But that's... And that within a two-month period of us inspecting, documenting, and getting everything settled. Now, this would have been much quicker if we were hired right from the beginning. But if you're handling the claim on your own, that's what happens. They're asking you for documents. You send them what they want, but it's not really what they want. It's the stuff that's going to delay the claim. The longer they can deal, I mean, that there's books about it. There's a book even called Delay, Delay, Deny, and Defend. That is a tactic they use, and it's more common these days. And it's especially important when you're dealing with real estate and real estate investment, because it's that getting it recovered as quickly as possible so you can get residents back in or businesses back in. I'm sure that makes a big impact just the getting the speed of funds. 
Yeah. And la- last year we had a claim, I think it was a 16 unit. It was, ne- it was in Memphis, Tennessee. Our, this is an investor as well. His claim was denied. We come in, we look at it. They had it as it was sewer backup. He was in the sewer backup coverage, but it wasn't sewer backup. They used the wrong word. No, he used the wrong words. He didn't know the proper language. So we had to bring in a plumber, get the right terms, got everything paid. So he went from denied, 75000 Everything was paid. Can you talk a little bit about the last couple of years during the rent moratoriums and everything else? I'd imagine your services even more sought off after in those situations where every penny counts and you're trying to, when something bad happens, you probably were busy during that, especially that time. Jack, year after year, it just we just we just keep growing. We're doubling in size as we grow, but we just keep getting so many more calls. We do a good job with advertising and marketing and letting people know what we do and that there's help. So if people even search help with my claim, we come up, they can call us and get questions or ask us questions and get some answers. We have a free ebook on our website to educate people. Again, people have no idea what's going on in terms of they don't know what's going on, what we're seeing. So when they're filing their first claims, they have no idea what the claim process is now. It's, it's not I for coverage, it's I for denial. They're looking for how can we deny this? How can we not pay this or underpay it? It's, that is just where the claim process has gone. The insurance companies have gone away from good staff adjusters to hiring independent guys, outsourcing adjusters to pay them less. So the, that whole claim process has just become pretty, pretty terrible at this moment. What is the most obvious thing that gets frequently declined by the insurance provider that is actually covered that you've found? Yeah. When broken pipes, people say the wrong, they'll say flood and they'll deny them. They won't even come out. They'll just tell them, oh, you're not covered if you say the wrong thing. Another one that we see often, sewer backup, people getting denied for sewer backup. Sewer backup is backup of sewers from the street. If your toilet overflows, that's a covered loss. Oh, okay. a whole different, you know what I'm saying? So it's a the way you word stuff and you present it is what can get, go from denial to getting everything paid. Now, just getting the claim overturned and getting it paid doesn't mean it's going to get paid fairly. So not only do we then overturn it, then we actually maximize and make sure you get every penny that you're owed. So before the, somebody calls you, what are some of the things that you would need to just make sure that you hit the ground running? Yeah. If you just called me today and said, hey, I had this claim. If it's somewhere where one of our PAs is located, we can come out, inspect it. If it's a little bit farther, we'd ask, hey, send me the policy, send me a couple of photos. We can take a look at it and right away say, okay, this is a covered loss. We can definitely take care of this. Or, hey, there's not much, or you shouldn't file a claim. This is something that's not covered. It's small. It's probably not going to go past your deductible. It just depends. If you've already had a claim with your insurance company, we would always ask for the estimate. Let us see the estimate they provided, some photos, and we'll assess them. I mean, we can pretty quickly take a look at an estimate policy and some photos and know if it's underpaid or if it's at least close to decent. Do you have any returns on investment information regarding like what a person would receive with without a PA versus with a PA? There is. That's on that. I think it's on our, we actually have it on our website. If you go on our website, I think on the bottom of the page, there is a study that was done. I know our clients see, see over hundred percent return on their investment on every okay. claim. We don't have the exact, we'll actually have to put that together. But the numbers we see is just, like I said, the lady we just finished, we're doing about three to four new claims a week this time. And that was from 20,000 to 120 at this moment. And do you have a servicing area or is it across the United States? Right now, our territory covers 13 states, I believe, California, Texas, Oklahoma, 
Pennsylvania, New Jersey, West Virginia, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana. Is, I think the states we're in right now. Okay. Just a reminder, everybody, you can learn more information at allcityadjusting.com and take advantage of Andy offering that free book ebook download there as well. Andy, one of the things that I'm curious about is since founding this company, what is one of the biggest surprises that you've, you've seen so far in the business? Just how bad it's getting and the route it's going, where there's going to be such a need for PAs and good PAs, good public adjusters and good people to represent the insured because the route the insurance companies are going is from getting engineers to other, uh, other, other professionals to come in and do their dirty work for them, whether it's giving reports and giving them estimates, because what it does is it releases them from any liability. So it's only getting worse. So the need for, for PAs and this industry to grow is huge. Okay. This is such an interesting concept and conversation regarding this. If you don't mind me asking, if we switch the conversation just a little bit on the entrepreneurial side, founding a company is a daunting task to say the least. Would you mind me asking what kind of mindset you had to go through in order to make that type of jump? Definitely was a risk. It was definitely, it was an investment that I made. Took about the first three years were really rough learning everything and just failing and just a lot of mistakes. Even with the mentor, it was just, it was bad. It wasn't until the five-year mark that really everything started clicking and we figured out the strategy and everything to move forward uh, to put us in a situation as now. But it was seeing where we're at now to looking where we were even four years ago or three years ago is huge. Just the jump we've made on our online presence, on the claims we've handled, the team we've brought in and the team we have together, whether it's from, we have people that can interpret policies. We have our estimators. We have the office staff. It's just, it's huge. We just brought on two PAs full-time to our staff. One has been 30 years just handling roofing claims, commercial roofing claims. The other one on the expert in reading policies. So just building that, but that took time. So as someone that, you know, someone that's starting a business they, or someone that looks outside in, they're always looking at glamour and everything looks good now and think, but no one usually sees the first years of how much work it is and the struggle it is to start and establish a good business. You mentioned that it took five years to kind of get your feet under you and to get the necessary traction there. What made you keep going? A lot of uh, you were seeing a lot of people who would stop at year four, just short of that goal line before it, the boulder starts rolling down the other side of the hill on its own. What made you decide to just stay focused, keep going. And what are some of the strategies and tax tactics that kept you on track? There was many nights where I was definitely rough, where I thought like the best thing would be just maybe quit and just go work or do something else. I have this drive, whether it's from my parents, I'm probably most likely from them, especially my mom, this drive of just keep going and just grinding it out and just not giving up. I think I, and I also had too much too much pride to just say, I gave up. I closed it down. It didn't work out. No, I was, there was no going back. I burnt the bridges. It was, I was only going forward. We, at that point, like three years into business, four years, I had all this debt accumulated and I was just like, what is going on? So I had to restructure everything. But once I got on the right path and then it passed the year five is I feel where everything just changed. I didn't give up. So that one year from going from four Year four to year five, when we really hit rock bottom and then just digging out. And then after year five saying, oh, wow, we've actually dug out. We're rolling. This is working. The persistence, I think not giving up 
that's huge. So it was now that you're in the flow of things, you're hiring, your team is growing. What are a few of the strategies or tactics that you've implemented now that has propelled your business forward? Yeah. Besides having the right people on our team, having a, we're building an education platform as well to teach PAs how to handle claims the right way. So not only building stuff, the technology we use to estimate claims and making it quicker and having a process, a structure of how we handle claims compared to other PA firms where from the day we receive a claim to the day we settle, there's a process of people involved using software to also give our clients knowledge of what's going on in the claim process so they can see it as the claim progresses, they can follow with us. So all that implemented just makes our system work and makes us grow and be able to handle more claims and more, more territories. It's interesting you bring that up because one of the taglines of this show is you either can put in the 10,000 hours and become an expert or lean into those people who have already put in that time and effort yep. and learn from their experience. So it's, has it been fairly rewarding to put that program together to help others like that? To actually see the success now, success and see our clients and see the claims we win. And it's huge. It's just something with every day. It's someone different, a different claim. We just settled a different victory. So it's a, it's a good feeling. Otherwise, if those people didn't have us, the world, the, where they would be, I have no clue. It's just a good feeling, not only to help people, but know that we're building something that's big, that can go a long way and help more and more people. This has been a great conversation, Andy. And the last few, 10 minutes or so here, I was hoping we can focus on some of the rapid fire questions. Is there anything, but before we get into that, is there anything else regarding adjusting that we didn't cover that it's one of those situations yeah. you don't know what you don't know? And I just want to make sure we've covered all the aspects when it comes to the adjusting yeah. aspect. I'll tell you what, when the end of the show, I'll leave my phone number, my personal phone for your listeners. The, it doesn't hurt to call and get a second and get an opinion. Hey, I had a loss. Should I file a thing or should I? Most PAs, good PAs, they'll look through everything for, they should be looking at the claim for free and evaluating it, but it doesn't hurt to call and ask questions. And even we've had different from different podcasts, different listeners sending us their policies and, hey, these are the properties we own. Do we have any exposed liabilities? It, it's a free phone call. Having a PA on your team is probably the best thing. It's just like having a great attorney, a great contractor. It should be part of every real estate team. Okay. No, that's really great advice. And it, it is about building a team and networking and getting those pieces in place. Let's jump into the rapid fire questions and we'll dive in and try to All learn right. a little bit more about you, Andy. Here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth or a business myth, entrepreneurship myth for that matter. What is something, what's one of those myths you'd like to bust here today? Yeah, no easy. There's definitely no, this is no, nothing's a get, get rich quick scheme or whatever they're showing on TV. It takes time. It takes mistakes. It's, you fail, you get knocked down. It's a process. No one ever sees that. That's the stuff that, you know, that's on the side that you only know about. And you go through it, but it takes time. So if someone's pitching a, hey, you jump into our real estate, you make millions. That's not the case. It, it takes time. I've been to seminars where they offer money or where they offer classes, they offer stuff. And they say, you sign up today, you'll get this, you'll get this. You get everything, but you, you get in what you put in. So if you don't put in anything and don't do the time, like you said, the 10,000 hours, the time, it's not going to happen overnight. And no one else is going to do it for you. What book? Would you recommend or what are you reading right now? 
you told me that we can't recommend Robert Kiyosaki. <laughs> you can recommend, you can say Robert Kiyosaki. You just can't use Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay. One I read last year that I keep going, it's right now I'm reading The One Thing. I actually have it right here. This one. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, that is a good one. It's a really good book. But one from last year that really stuck out is The Four Agreements. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Four Agreements is awesome. I, I have those written down. Those are, if someone hasn't read that book, I highly recommend reading that book. Yeah, I even mentioned. I heard Seth Rogen bring that up recently again. I got Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Aaron, Rogan. Uh, Aaron Rogers was the one that put it on his book club. So that's where I got sure. that. That was really okay. Good. What is the biggest business mistake you've made, and what did you learn from it? Trying to grow too fast in the beginning, trying to get a big office, get all this stuff, and and then just realizing how much debt we had, and we had less. Didn't know my books the right way, and start slow. And if you don't have to get loans or you can use your own money and start slow and grow. You don't need to bring in people right away and make yourself seem like you're big. Give it some time and take it day by day. Don't jump in and don't try to be bigger than, than what you can afford. Going to start with the bootstrapping. Do you feel that slowed your growth because you tried to grow too flat fast? Maybe, but I also think it's a benefit for me because at the first three years, we made so many mistakes. And the business we're in, especially in Chicago, it's such a like who you know and what you know, and just bringing in the wrong people and then doing the wrong stuff in terms of not being able to handle a claim the right, like not knowing stuff and making all these mistakes, even with a mentor on my side. Now I look back and it cost me all this money, but now we're so much, if someone comes with a claim or any kind of situation, we've already been through it. We've already been past all the worst stuff. There's nothing else that, that we haven't seen in terms of the bad. I think it's, it was a good, I think for myself, it was a good educational, it was good learning experience. For something a little fun, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that's a good one. Wow, you got me. Boondock Saints. I do love Boondock Saints. India? Okay. I do love Boondock Saints. Then comedy-wise, like, I would go old school. Like what? Old school, the movie, old school. Oh, old school. <laughs> I thought you meant you're going old school. Okay. That one. Yeah. When you said old school, I had recently watched The Jerk again. And that was, so when you said old school. <laughs> if you could go back into time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? I got a question for a good check. One piece <laughs> of advice, just smell the flowers, have fun and enjoy everything in the moment. Don't keep looking too much of what's going to happen that you can't control, but enjoy the now. Okay. No, Andy, that that's great advice. And Again, it's allcityadjusting.com. But before I let you go, Andy, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? No, I think we, we covered everything. I hope your listeners get a, a huge ton or huge value out of this podcast. If I don't know if, you want, if I can leave my phone number. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're that daring, go, ahead, go for it. Yeah, no. Hey, right now, while we can handle it and I'm more than happy, Anyone can reach me at 708-655-4186, 708-655-4186. You can save my number as a PA and DPA. However you save my number, if you have questions, feel free to call or text. We'll try to help you out. Don't be afraid. If you have a loss, you're better getting a second opinion or getting that PA to give you advice before you actually either file a claim or before you take a step further with the insurance company. Andy, I really appreciate it. I hope you'll come back again sometime. This was a great conversation. Jack, thank you so much again for having me. It was a pleasure. Good question. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. 
You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.